Welcome to Season 3 of Trying Our Best, a mother-daughter good place podcast. Hi, I'm Ayla. And I'm Michelle. And we're talking about Season 3, Episode 1 of The Good Place. So, if you remember from Season 2 when we left off, the humans had just been sent back to Earth. They had never died because Michael went and literally pushed them out of the way from their deaths so that they would continue to survive on Earth. And this episode explores what each of the humans did after their near-death experience and how the experiment is going. Because the reason they got sent back to Earth is so that Michael can try to prove that if the four humans have more time, they will improve and become better. But the problem is, it didn't work all that well. At first, they decided that what they were doing with their lives was wrong, and they were becoming better. And then they gave up. So Michael decides to meddle and to go down and to push them first to get Chidi and Eleanor together, but eventually he realizes that the real magic happened when all four of them were together, that they had been perfectly designed to torture one another. That's how they originally got selected for the Bad Place experiment, but that they actually, their combination of personalities and strengths and weaknesses had made all four of them improve. So he decides he needs to get them all together. at what each of the four humans did after their near-death experiences. We got a close-up of Eleanor, of what Eleanor did, but just as a reminder, so she started becoming a better person, and she joined the environmental club and all that stuff, but then she said, what's the point? Don't get any reward for being good, so she quit. She gave up. She basically said that there isn't a point of doing this if there's nothing that you get in return for it. Over the course of this episode, we see that it's a similar story for basically everyone. So Chidi, remember, he almost got hit by the air conditioner, but instead Michael came by on a bike and pushed him out of the way so that he ended up not getting hit. And so he takes that as a moment to be like, oh, man, I I really need to change my life. And for a while he does. He throws out his old manuscript, the one that Michael said was so bad, and ends up working on a new project. He's able to make decisions more quickly. And he even tells his friend, like, hey, I don't know why I spent so long being unhappy. You just have to decide to live the life that you want. And it sounds like Chidi has really figured out his problem. And then his friend asked him how he did it. And Chidi said... You basically, you just, you just decide to do whatever you want to do. And his friend wanted to get into better shape. And so Chidi said, then wake up in the morning and get into shape. Just decide to do it. And his friend broke both of his legs. So that starts a spiral where Chidi realizes that maybe he doesn't have it figured out as well as he thought he did. He feels really guilty. He finds out that he's been decisive about blueberry muffins, but blueberries are actually sourced unethically, which sends him back into his all too familiar tailspin of what choices should I make? I can't make the right one. And so Chidi also sort of fails at changing. And that brings us to Tahani. So if you remember, the... Tahani got crushed by her a, stat, a giant statue of her sister. But Michael pushed her out of the way as soon as the statue came down. And Tahani thought that 
she should get out of the spotlight. The spotlight is what almost killed her. So maybe she should go to a simpler, neutral life. She does that by traveling to Tibet and living in a monastery. And for a long time, it looks like she has given up her attachments to other people, her name dropping, her obsession with being rich and famous. But then a news crew shows up in the monastery that she's staying in and reminds her of how much she loves being in the spotlight and loves the fame. So she ends up turning her experience in the monastery into a book about getting out of the spotlight, which puts her in the spotlight. And so she really is unable to maintain her changes, too. And last, we have Jason. Michael opened the safe so that Jason did not suffocate. And then... Jason thought that he should become a better person. He should find a way to help people. And he was looking at um, a bulletin board, and there was a flyer about how to help people, but he chose the one about dancing. So he threw himself into a life of making his dance crew successful, and he stuck with it through failure after failure after failure and disqualification and fights, and he wouldn't let his crew commit crime anymore. And even though things weren't going well, he was really trying to make it right. But they finally run out of money, so he's like, okay, go ahead, do crimes again. And then he gets caught stealing, and from there he starts to realize that his life really doesn't have much meaning, that he isn't leaving any legacy behind. So Michael realizes that things are not working and that the experiment is going to fail, that they're not going to become better people this way. So he knows he has to get them together somehow. And eventually he does. He brings them all together in Australia, where Chidi is conducting a research experiment about what happens after near-death experiences and how people can use that to make moral decisions better. And so that is a great reason for Michael to go and intervene with each person and push them into being together. And he had already done that with Eleanor. He had met her in a bar and given her some advice to make her fly to Australia and meet Chidi. But Janet mentions that every time he goes to Earth, he makes their plan more and more risky. If the judge finds out, then something really, really bad will happen. Meanwhile, Michael had also approached Chidi in the library and convinced him to try to help the next person who asks him for help, which, of course, is Eleanor. So he had pushed Chidi and Eleanor together already. But it can't help what... But wonder, what if some random person off the street had asked Chidi for help? That's true. Michael doesn't have any powers when he's in his human form on Earth. He can only interact with them the way that any human could. So it could have gone awry. Luckily, though, for Michael anyway, Chidi does agree to help Eleanor. To get to Hani into Australia with the group, Michael pretends to be a scammer. And it's like, hey, I know your game. You're pretending that you had this enlightening experience, but you're just getting all these suckers to buy your book, which really is kind of true. And it, it taps into Tahani's um, self-consciousness, and she decides to prove this Michael, the salesman that she was talking to, wrong by taking the next opportunity she can to help people, which turns out to be a call from Chidi asking to join his experiment. Then Michael meets Jason on the pier and lets Michael know that 
he needs a new dance crew. Um, and then he's using dance crew kind of as a metaphor, letting letting Jason know that if he's ready to turn a new leaf in his life, that he probably should meet up with some new people. And Michael knows just the people. And of course, Jason is very impulsive and doesn't take a lot of convincing. So that's enough for him. Gets him to Australia. So we finally have all four of them back together. And that's it. That gets us thinking about how near-death experience might impact us. Luckily, I haven't had too many near-death experiences. I was in one pretty bad car accident, but it took so long to, like, physically recover from it because I was pretty banged up and had a concussion that I wasn't really in the state of mind to re-evaluate all of my life choices. What about you, Ayla? Have you ever had a near-death experience? I'm only 10, so not many, but I have had one where I almost got hit by a car. Did that change your perspective on life at all? Not really. I mean, I didn't really notice it. I was just walking on the sidewalk when a car just drove up on the curb. Oh, I remember. I think my life flashed before my eyes more than yours did before yours. But, so, neither of us have had quite the same experience that the four humans did in the show. But I I will say that I spend a lot of time thinking about if I'm living my life in a way that I would be happy with if it ended today, right? Because we all know that, you know, life is not forever. And I want to make sure that I live my life in a way that when I'm gone, whenever that is, hopefully many, many years from now, that I can be happy with what I've accomplished, that I can be happy and say I, I did it to the best of my abilities. I did the best that I could. That's kind of what this entire podcast is about. It's about what it means to try your best. In fact, the podcast is called Trying Our Best. Good point. And with that in mind, I think it's time for our question of the day. In this episode, Michael's working so hard to bring the four humans together because he thinks that that will make them better people. So our question of the day is, how can other people influence your behavior? Pause the podcast, talk about it, think about it, write about it, and then come back. Welcome back. So we have been talking about how can other people influence our behavior? And I think that the most obvious answer to this is something like peer pressure, right? We learn about that all the time, that people can pressure you into doing things that you don't want to do because it's the cool thing to do or because everybody else is doing it. Can you think of some examples that you've seen in movies or TV shows where peer pressure plays a part? I find that in a lot of reality TV shows, um, uh, people get pressured so that it, so that the TV show can embarrass them because that's kind of what reality TV shows are about. That's a good observation, and a lot of those reality TV shows are kind of about the social structures, the the relationships that people build while they're on the show, and so you can see how if you fall in with the wrong crowd, so to speak, you end up more embarrassed than if you pick a good team that's going to help you out. There's this TV show called Fuller House, and a guy was on the football team, and the football team pressured him into trashing his girlfriend. 
All right, so we see lots of examples of how other people might influence us to be worse, to to bring out the worst parts of ourselves, to do things that we maybe wouldn't do if we didn't have them egging us on. But we also see lots of examples of people being around us to help us become better, to help us kind of tap into the best parts of ourselves. I'm thinking, Ayla, you and I right now are watching Avatar, and those characters are definitely not always getting along, right? So we're we're in season three and um, the Avatar, whose name is Aang, is traveling with a brother and sister named um, Katara and Sokka. And then they also have um, this other character with them named Toph. And they fight a lot and they argue a lot and they get on each other's nerves. But ultimately, they help each other make the best choices and they help each other um, when they get into trouble. And so we really do see them kind of bringing out the best in them in their friends. And this situation happens in real life where other people make us do better decisions. Um, I remember when I was little, I was a nightmare because I didn't really care about other people. And then I found someone and they sort of became my role model. I wanted to be more like them and that made me better as a person. Yeah, so I think we do, and we've talked about this on this podcast before because this is a theme that comes up again and again in this show, is just how important other people are to our journey through life. And I think that we definitely can be influenced by other people and we we need to be kind of careful about who we choose to spend time with, who we choose to let be the people that help us make decisions because they could make us better, but they could also make us worse. So we want to we want to choose wisely about who we let be in our in our trust. So that brings us to the very end of this episode. The four humans are all together again. Chidi is working alongside someone new named Simone to do a study on these on what happens after a near-death experience. And it looks like all is going to go well, but then somebody surprising shows up. It's Trevor, the demon from the bad place. So it turns out that the other demons have been working to hacking into the judge's system the entire time. And so then they sent our good friend Trevor to terrorize them and... We're suspecting that he is going to be a very bad influence. Why is Sean motivated to do this? Why does he want to ruin the experiment? That's a very good question. In fact, I think that in this episode, a demon asked Sean the exact same question. Sean just cocooned the guy so that he wouldn't have to answer. But I'm I'm curious to know what the answer is. I don't know the answer for sure, but I would say that Sean, who is kind of a leader in the bad place, wants the comfort of knowing that the system is right because otherwise he's been torturing all these people who maybe don't really deserve it. So maybe having to question whether his entire job and life is worthwhile is a bit too much for him. So he might he might have a reason to want this experiment to fail. So many questions. I guess we'll have to find the answers to them next week. 